back to Church is Stupid. Come a butt. I'm Kate. I'm Ruth. I'm Elijah. Wow. Are you Elijah? I'm Elijah. Could Are you, you sure? I don't think so. You didn't sound convinced. No. I am Elijah, I think. <laughs> now I'm thinking about the book of Eli. So thanks. You this I this happens every like four <laughs> episodes or something. You talk about the book of Eli and me, I think. I don't think I've ever talked about it even once, but it sure feels like it. Maybe it's just every other day in our normal life you talk about it. That's probably what it is. I mean, it's just like, you know, talking about how we're going to get divorced and all of that normal stuff. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's as much as that, but. Oh, okay. That definitely is. Yeah. Well, so we're back, and we are that's talking that's about... Right. That's right. <laughs> Out of context verses. Yeah. For the record, we're fine. We're stuck together. It's a thing. <laughs> you saying we're fine and we're stuck together are like two yeah. opposite states. Well, it's just like it's just like all of those... We, Me and Elijah joke all the time uh, about the... <laughs> sorry if you're one of these. The couples who will post like their marriage updates, and they're like... Marriage is literally the hardest thing you will ever do. You wake up and you hate them. You, you look hate- at them and you want to drown them. You resent them. You resent them. You hate them. But marriage is so worth it. <laughs> it's so worth it. Like, but you hate each other. <laughs> but you know what we're talking about, right? Oh my God. Like I've seen so many people from my graduated college with who post that. And I feel bad because I'm like... You know, I mean, I like kind of like my marriage. <laughs> Am I wrong? I have that relationship with college. That's great. <laughs> your hatred relationship I with guess college. You could say yeah. you're married to college. I, I feel like it. Oh <laughs> they expect me to be in class for 19 hours a week and then to do like 38 hours of work outside of class each week. 38. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's three hours for every one hour. So you got to add 19. No, at least the most recent I was told is two hours, and we're gonna stick with two hours. Oh, see, we were always told two, three hours of outside work for every hour in class. Now, what did I do? We don't need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like I said. But anyhow, that might have had to do with like the people that were doing the work. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. They look at me like you gonna need some help. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, it sounds like there's a lot of context needed for these stories. Hey, speaking of context, Ruth. <laughs> wow, what a segue, Elijah. This is why we're super not getting divorced. <laughs> and... This bit is over. <laughs> you do it once an episode at the most. <laughs> Andy's not here to control us anymore. No. I can do the bit as not. many times as I want. He used to keep <laughs> us in check. Oh Kate, you have to take over for this. No. <laughs> nah, fam. Nah. So... <laughs> Onto our out of con- our out of context verses. <laughs> My whole life is out of context. Man, tell me about it. So I think oh, I'm going to. I have a couple that some of them are kind of similar, just in how they're taken out of context. A lot of the verses I think that really talk about you getting what you want. Like we have the Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Matthew seventeen twenty. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move, and it will. Um, John fourteen fourteen. Ask anything in my name, and it'll be given. Yeah. Those... <laughs> Elijah just turned his hat around and thinks he's thug. It's fine. Oh, that's the worst thing you've ever said. You're the. I that's mean, the you just did the worst thing. Said. So. 
those verses a lot are used as almost predication to whatever I want, I get because I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And if we look at some of the context of those, like Elijah, you had a great uh, openness quote for for Philippians four thirteen. Oh, yeah, I have it right here. Yeah. I was worried it was going to be one of the ones that I wasn't immediately looking at. You told yeah. me that you saved that one, so you're welcome. I remembered. Um, well, I think I saved... Which one did I save? Never mind. This is awkward. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. All right. I saved something that was about... No, I, I was. it was about Jeremiah 29 11. It was a really long thing about the verses leading up to it. And then like this, the 70 years thing. But I do have another sort of... I was looking up some discussions about some of these Bible verses that can be taken out of context. And there is one here about Philippians 4.13, which was, like Ruth said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really nice verse. Um, but it's not... It's, 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 that verse isn't trying to portray the idea that you can accomplish or should or could, can accomplish anything that you could ever want that you can get anything that you want any worldly possession that you want because christ is strengthening you but i believe i can fly please try that i would love to see that (laughs) 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 oh it's not listen okay all right i'm gonna bring it back it's not uh, these verses like ruth is saying too so many of them are twisted into such like a, and I hate using this word, but it applies really correctly now. A lot of them are twisted into this sort of worldly focus when they're not, the purpose of a lot of these verses is supposed to be something about something much greater with you and like your faith. So um, things like I can do all things, you know, through, through Christ who strengthens me. I, I'm, they're supposed to be, you know, in reference to being able to endure any situation through God. God is there to strengthen you through, through anything that you're going through, through any hardships in any situation, no matter what God is there. And he gives you the strength that you need to get through it. But much and getting through, not necessarily even meaning overcoming and being healed from or overcoming and like superseding but mm-hmm. overcoming in christ yeah like, like overcoming with purpose in a way yes yeah because uh, that's that's sorry that's another way that that sometimes gets twisted because you know you look at people who who pray for healing for their family members and they say oh you know endurance god's given me the strength to come through this yeah and then they pass away and yeah. so what do you do with that if you really believe that faith alone is going to give you the strength to come through that, that that's caused a lot of people to have crisis of faith yeah but what what the, yeah. the strength to power through isn't necessarily the strength to overcome the earthly instance it's overcoming sin and death and overcoming hmm. that that tie to the world that you have to be everything you have is put into the world and the worldly things because there's nothing more yeah mm-hmm. sorry i just yeah, no that. it's I mean, yeah, you, you rounded that off, like, perfectly. Obviously, that's what I was going to say, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you said that, so, you know, totally. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, no, that, that yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great way of putting it. It's, I think that for specifically, too, can be taken. 
I know we're going to be bringing this up with everything, I swear. But again, Jeremiah 29, 11, mm. um, it's, it can be used and it is used in sort of the same way. It's in this, this like self-fulfillment kind, kind of, uh, kind of idea, mm. um, where, you know, all these, you know, all these riches and all these things that I have, mm-hmm. I got them because I followed scripture in this way. Right. And scripture says that, like, it, it, it's it, honestly... It's the inverse relationship between yeah. you and Christ. The focus becomes Christ when it... Or, the fo- wow, that was bad. The focus becomes you when it should be on Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how the verses are taken. It's more about what you get than it is about what Christ gives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's... So, yeah, so that, that's Philippians 4.13. Uh, Matthew 17.20 uh, is, is relatively similar. It's the faith the size of a mustard seed. You can move mountains. And that one particularly, it, it's not so much that it, the context isn't held within the verse as it is what that means <laughs> to have faith the size of a mustard seed. That means that you're not going to tell a mountain to move unless you believe God is actually telling you. Like, you're following closely in line with what God wants. Hmm. And God is telling you, I'm going to move this mountain. And so I'm using you as the vehicle or the tool to do this, right? Hmm. So it's about really you aligning with God's will. It's not about, I want this mountain to move, and so, so help me, it's gonna move. I mean, nah. Nah, that's not what it means. And again, that one's used a lot to just to justify healings and to denounce people who've not been healed um and hmm. and that's very a very tragic reading of it because that's not it's so opposite well and, and again it's sh- it makes your faith so shallow yeah it, it or it makes the faith shallow to leave it there with what i get out of it um and and again john fourteen fourteen, ask anything in my name and it will be given again that is predicated on this fact that you are in line with God's will. Hmm. That what you're going to ask of God is going to be what what God wants from you, right? So you're not going to be like, hey, God, give me a Mercedes. I like to go back to the Mercedes, apparently. And he's like, cool. And again, we also go back to what you ask in my name. Well, we shouldn't be using the name of the Lord in vain. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what what do we ask Jesus for? We ask Jesus for the fruits of the Spirit, right? That mm. peace, that patience, that kindness, that gentleness, that self-control. Those are things that we can be asking for that are uh, that are worthy yeah. of being of invoking the name of of our our Savior. And same thing like asking, you know for healing in specific instances or, or things like that, you know, and it's not wrong. I, I, I know it probably sounds like I'm saying it's wrong to ask for healing, but that's not what I am saying. I believe that, mm. that that does happen. And it's right for us to petition for our family and our friends and for our enemies. Even we're told in scripture, mm, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And this is almost like if a plus B, if you do a and B, you're going to get C. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not what it means. Right. If there's, there's, or at least it, it's not the full context of what it means. So, those are kind of three that are just very similarly tied together. Yeah. Um, one that's not really, it's not really out of 
context so much as I just really don't think people know where this verse comes from. Have you guys heard the saying, God knit you together in your mother's womb? Yes. Yeah, you've heard that one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and Elijah, I know I I talked to you about this earlier, so Mm -hmm. he's like, I've got the spoiler. But that actual verse comes out of the Psalms. That's not something that, like, God speaks and says, hey, I did this, as much as it is the psalmist saying, you know me so intimately, you know me so well, like, I'm praising you, and the analogy I'm using, or the the thing that I'm saying is, you knit me together in my mother's womb because you knew me so intimately. And I feel like people just don't realize that that's from a psalm. Hmm. And so it kind of, like, changes it a little bit, or at least its perception, by realizing that it was it was being spoken like it's like when you read Exodus and there are portions of it that say and God told them do this and then there are others that said and Moses told them right and and that does change the weight of what's happening does God say it or does man say it and it's still in scripture so we still hold the words as as having value and meaning but it does change the perception a little bit yeah so that's just one of those that's kind of I've always found interesting. It's not necessarily like <gasps> scandal. Yeah. But it's definitely a um just a weird random thing that not a pe- not a lot of people think it would be in the Psalms. Um All right, you ready for my yeah. controversial one? Hit us with your best shot. Yeah, that. I shall do the thing. This one. Hebrews 10:25. We've been hearing it a lot. Do not forsake meeting together. Yes. That is a verse. It is in scripture. Mm -hmm. And it is important. So what does the context around it say? Really what it's talking about is making sure that you as a community of believers are looking out for one another. That you're meeting together regularly. You're taking care of one another what this means is so much more than meeting on a Sunday. And in particular, at this time, they weren't even meeting at a church on a Sunday. <gasps> Surprise! I know. Oftentimes, their churches were meeting in homes, and it was whenever they could. <laughs> it was not Sunday. It was not, or, I mean, it was Sunday also. Uh, which is kind of a cool story how we ended up on Sunday instead of Sabbath day, which Sabbath day is Saturday, not Sunday. Anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) Sunday is the day of the resurrection of Christ, which is why they started meeting on Sundays. But it is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. So, weird, right? (laughs) Anyhow, at least historically, it is not. Um, But... This verse, I mean, honestly, if you look at the predication given to it, I keep using that word, but in Hebrews 10, if you look at the requirements for what that meeting together really looks like, I would say uh, not all of our churches meet that. I would say very few do. Elaborate, please. Yeah, what are some of these requirements? Um, so, like, really taking care of one another. One thing that this, this means and looks like is accountability. Hmm. And churches have really, they've done a a bad job of accountability on both sides. 
There are people who believe it's their job to hold every single human being accountable for everything they believe is in scripture and then shame everyone in the universe for doing it. We've talked a lot about the harm that that causes on this podcast, and that's very, very bad. Yeah. And there are other people who believe it's not, you're not supposed to do it at all, right? Everybody's business is their own. Leave each other alone. You come in, you worship, you friendly greet each other. It's like your church friends versus your real friends, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you act one way with your church friends, and then you oh, act yeah. totally different way with your real friends. Oh, yeah. And that creates this fake relationship, right? Essentially. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't care about the person. But is it a real relationship if they don't see those parts of you? I don't know. Right? And we're called to be in intimate relationship with one another. And part of this meeting together is is being there for one another. And, and one way to be there for one another is by being accountable or helping to hold people accountable, which needs to be held in tension with grace. Grace yeah. and accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. You hold people accountable in the sense that if you see someone walking down a hard path, you say, hey, I love you. What's going down? <laughs> and then you help walk them through that, right? Mm-hmm. Not from a place of condescension, not from a place of shame or judgment, but from a place of love. Yeah. And you don't shame them when they mess up. Mm-hmm. You instead work with them. Then, meeting together is worshiping God. I mean, that's one of the primary things, right? That's the that's the primary directive. We're here. We're worshiping God. Yeah. And through our worship, we we know that what God wants is for us to take care of one another. And in some of the early churches, that means they literally physically shared all of their resources. If somebody in the, like if somebody was in need of something, it was given. There was no requirement. Hmm. And we live in a land of requirement. Yeah. For giving, mm-hmm. it's very. Yeah, there's a lot of almost boxes you have to check to make sure that someone is worthy of receiving. Or we're so focused as churches on receiving from our congregation members that we don't give a lot of grace for giving back to them. Yeah. Right? That that tithing mentality, you you give, give, give. It's it's very tragic because we need to be taking care of each other. And part of that is monetarily. Part of that is being there if they need something. Like, do you know if the person you sit next to in church has a babysitter for their job? Mm. Do you know if their car's broken down? Do you know what they're struggling with on a daily basis? Yeah, right. Have you reached out to them? And some people, the answer is yes. And I think the churches that are really thriving are the ones that are doing that. The ones that are intentionally taking care of people and trying to build those relationships. So when it's talking about meeting together, it's not just talking about physically being in the same place. Remember, this was 2,000 years ago. Guess what did not exist 2,000 years ago? Phones. Mm. (laughs) Internet. (laughs) Like, pretty much any easy means of letter writing even like i mean the post office is one of the things we take for granted heck roads were still kind of i mean they were common but still like (laughs) it was hard to communicate 
with people if you were not physically in the same space as them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it was impossible. It doesn't mean they didn't do it. It was just much more difficult. Yeah. You're speaking from experience, right? Yes, I remember those <laughs> days. It was very weird. <laughs> Thank goodness for the for the phone and the telegram. Oh, the telegram was a lifesaver. <laughs> so, meeting together. I think that that's that's one thing we like to. And and again, I'm not saying anything against physically being in the same place. But a phone call can just as much be meeting with someone. Mm-hmm. A Zoom Bible study, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Kate's been leading, or uh, with, with Abe and like the church's stupid Bible study we did last year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our churches were online. Mm-hmm. And that's meeting together. Because you're coming together and supporting one another. Yep. But if you don't have that support, you're really missing that out. Whether that's a physical meeting or whether that's an online meeting, whatever that looks like. And that's been something I think that has been quite controversial over the past year and a half as we've had to stop physically meeting for a time Mm -hmm. or where we were asked to not physically meet is a lot of people struggled with that Hebrews verse. And I think really, again, if we go back to its root, it's about supporting one another in Christ. So, well, my last one on my list. Oh, did you have one? Well, I was just thinking, I, I don't have actually the actual verse in front of me. I seem to have lost that. Um, but in uh, sort of piggybacking in the same vein, there was uh, the verse uh, about when two or more gathered together in my mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. I am there. And that's a pretty commonly, and, and, and you know, well-intentioned for good reason, like it's a very commonly used Bible verse when a, uh, in regards to like the meeting meeting together right um but it is sort of funny because in the in the very same way uh i don't think we ever say anything along the lines of well you know if that's the only way that god is it shows up somewhere mm-hmm. you know like i think we all agree that if that god is omnipresent <laughs> very much mm-hmm. uh we say things all the time like god's everywhere god's with I you say, god's what does omnipresent mean if you'll just present everywhere thank you well some people don't yeah. know what omni- um yeah yeah, yeah. Present. That, that's a church word yeah fair. okay i guess it might be, yeah omnipresent omni meaning like all or everything everywhere you know present everywhere all we present. believe that yeah uh so though the you know the the verse of uh, do you do you know what verse that is because I, I don't remember where it's actually found. Oh man, why you gotta call me out? I'm like sorry. That? Uh, when it's talking about that, I mean, I, I think I think it's one of those ones that's pretty easy to deduce that it's not literally about God is not around you unless two or, or more of you meet. Like until that happens, He's not there. I think it's more about the importance of of a church of us being being with one another mm-hmm. um obviously not nece- not necessarily meaning literally in person but just with one another with intention mm-hmm. right and, and that it's a, it's it's a responsibility almost of a church to, to be together in that way um and if it if it was so important on 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 like if if the uh being physically together was such an important thing that I don't see why that verse would would be worded the way that it is Mm -hmm. if we already believe that you know God is everywhere because then it would be us limiting God's potential if we weren't doing if we weren't always in person basically and I think we can all agree that that's not possible exactly and God's worked through so many different ways 
throughout human history. And, and we see that in scriptures, that God works with us where we are. And so to think that that stopped at a certain point right. is kind of silly in general. Um, again, not to say that meeting together is a bad thing by any means, or yeah, like absolutely. physically meeting together. Just, just definitely something I think we have to think about as we consider what church looks like in the 21st century, as we consider what a podcast <laughs> called Church is Stupid, comma, but would would where it would fall if right. it's a christian gathering and i would argue yes hmm. i would say we are meeting together and i and i do believe that through that god has moved at least i hope <laughs> but I, I truly do believe that yeah so thank you for that that's that's a very good point i yeah. forgot you would you mention that briefly. i wish i had the full thing in front of me but i mean that's that's basically all of it anyway so well as we're as we're wrapping up i've got one more for you <laughs> I know Kate seems super excited. She's been dying to. She doesn't want to leave and eat at all. She's yeah, definitely not. <laughs> oh, are you holding her hostage? She's glaring at me. It feels like it. I do my best. All right, we gotta start this whole thing over. Sorry, yes, Kate. Yes, redo. You have to be here for it. We made too many too many jokes about divorce. Uh, just bringing it full circle. <laughs> We've got to start all over. Again. Twenty minutes ago. Twenty minutes ago, I just realized it was too far. So oh. that's never happened. <laughs> all right. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 God did not give you a spirit of fear Ooh, there we go That's another good one I got some fear <laughs> Well, it's interesting because it, it does also talk about fear of the Lord And the importance of fear of the Lord And so Ooh. that is something that I think people don't like to hold right. is this fear like awe and respect and acknowledgement or fear like fear fear i think it's a little bit i, w I would say it's more the awe and recognizing under, recognizing that god does not have to basically not being entitled yeah like yeah. not thinking that you have deserved all of this awesomeness i don't think we know what that means but yeah <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> I derailed us. I'm sorry. You, what, not being entitled? You don't think we know what that means? Yeah. As a uh, no, I Christ agree. Christians in the USA. Well, but again, anyways. I mean, I think one of the reasons, one of the things that's really shown through all of these verses we've addressed is that, again, that focus shift to making it all about us, making it all yeah. about what we want instead of what God wants, yeah. and keeping the focus away from Christ, which is is a huge danger with reading scripture and with honestly being a christian in the 21st century is that making it all about me yeah me, me, me. i mean i'm pretty <laughs> cool but <laughs> so the thing about this verse is that people don't like the end of this verse they really like the beginning because it can fit a very specific agenda could you repeat the beginning the beginning since, is God <laughs> since not, i derailed this somewhere god did not mm. give you a spirit of fear mm. this way yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, it's Elijah. Sorry. <laughs> you gotta do something every time. No. Uh, but it actually then talks about how we are given a sound mind. So it's saying, yeah, don't don't have a spirit of fear, but understand that to combat that, part of that is being given reason. Yeah. Giving knowledge to know the difference between what is good and bad, essentially. And instead of seeing it that way, it gets used as like, well, don't have a spirit of fear. Because 
if you if you think about it too much, that's that's just giving you a spirit of fear. It's like no no no, that's that's not. They're not working against each other. Yeah. It's actually working with each other. It's like a lot of verses are taken out of context with the same intention. And again, this has been particularly true over the last year and a half. Yeah. We've seen these things be used as excuses. But what I found so interesting is that a lot of times it comes from people who are fearing in a different way. Right? Right? Like, you can't have a spirit of your fear, but I can have a spirit of my fear. I mean, 100%. I'm fearing what's right. Yeah. And it's like, but it's not. But it's from everybody. It's from all sides. But no one, no one says I'm fearing the right or wrong no, thing. No, they don't. It's, but, but in reality, a lot of people who use that scripture against someone else, when when you look at what they're talking about or, or other examples of you know, like a similar subject, it's mm-hmm. it's very much that in the same way they're claiming that you are living in a spirit of fear, that they are living in the same exact way, but just over something completely different. Yeah. But it's but they'll never a lot of people don't won't see it that way. But well, it's it pretty clear it, <laughs> that that's what it is. And it makes it difficult for for people to understand. And and it's cuz it's also really abstract if you really take it that way and try to analyze the whole world through that. It it just doesn't always work. Well, it's almost it's almost used as a way to like denounce logic for the sake of not living in fear. Because knowing about something or living in caution because of something is going to be antithetical you're you're then living in fear but i buckle my seatbelt yeah when i get in the car i, I wish look everybody both ways, did that right yeah. <laughs> i look both ways before i cross the street because i want to be cautious i should probably do that and god has given us knowledge and reason and a sound mind as this verse saw i know i ignored it i blew through it because we're almost out of time (laughs) but it was a glorious comment um god has given us those things to help us understand the world around us you know even if we and and this might not be a popular way to look at it but if we look at science we developed this this fear of things that could harm us that is actually natural and healthy yeah. Because it mm-hmm. keeps us alive. Uh-huh. In a, and so uh-huh. it's, you don't have to, like, completely give up looking at reason and logic and taking caution for the sake of not living in fear. It needs to be a balance between not letting something consume you. You know, when scripture talks about having a spirit of something... It means you are engulfed in this. That is who you are, as opposed to Ooh. having a fear. Ooh. Sorry, we are much out of time, but all I'm thinking about now is is making a whole episode about the church and Gnosticism <laughs> and how the whole, how spiritual warfare is a very real thing, but how it has become so trivialized now in like modern Christianity, and it's just buzzwords at this point. Oh, we could do a whole thing about that. We but, could. And that applies to this very much. It does. But um I do appreciate it. But for now I think we're gonna end it here. Yeah. So I think a quick wrap up. Yes, fun thing do. To, not really fun, but interesting to think about is how all how a lot or even most of these verses in the way that they can be taken out of context, uh, how they can all be almost strung together in in a way that 
essentially teaches a false gospel, a prosperity gospel too. I mean, we've talked about prosperity gospel so many times, but all of these things connect like to each other too. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you know, God, the, the God, God has plans for you. God has plans of prosperity, but uh, I, I can vouch for that because of all my prosperities because God wants me to have it. But if you were, you know, you should give all of these things to me, which is another Bible verse I forgot to say, but we can't talk about. But like, uh, and you know, if, if you're trying to not do that or if you're worried, then look, then, then, then if you're not giving all your money because you're trying to be responsible, then uh, you are living in a spirit of fear. Like a lot of them connect, which is why it's so important, like Ruth was saying, to understand context and to to live your gospel out through the correct context, I guess, in a way. Because, yeah, you need to know it. And, you, and it can be really manipulated, and we see it a lot. Absolutely. And so I'll end with the same caveat that I gave last, last episode, which is, please, please do not just read one verse and call it good. Instead, read the whole of Scripture. Yeah. Read, study Scripture. Don't cherry pick. Don't cherry pick. There's lots of good stuff in there, and it's all scripture, not just the parts you like. So, from all of us here at Church is Stupid, comma but, I'm Ruth, I'm Kate, I'm Elijah, and we hope that you have a great week.